how, how your neuron cells did this week, and last week, and the week before, and the week before, and the week before, and we're going to see it on the quiz of how that came out. So if you haven't been here for the whole thing, then you won't get all of them, but if you've been here for two, you'll see questions on there about that. If you've been here for three, you'll see questions on So what the, all those questions do is they basically capture what we've been talking about, plus the definition. So I don't want to give you the definition yet. Only half. Mm. So let's see if you can write it down. And what I want to do is we're just going to work through the questions. Good, you got one here, so I can cheat off of you. Let yeah, me leave me one. So let's start with the definition of the kingdom. Okay? Who wants to try to give that a shot? Anybody? I heard Mary say it really well today. Mary did say it really well. Anybody else yeah, want to try it? Say it Anybody want to try it? We haven't said it yet. We're still trying to figure who else, who's going to say it. Who wants to try saying it? Definition of the kingdom? So you can see here, we have a second part of that up here that we're going to look at. We've been looking at the first part. What's the first part again? The people. The surrender to the reign of God. Okay. So people willingly surrender to the reign of God. We've been looking at that so far. That's what we've been dealing with, the people and the surrender. That's going to merge into this one now. We're going to start looking at the second part of it, which is a actively participate in an intimate partnership with God. Now, what we're doing is we are actually going through and looking at this biblically speaking, uh, showing in the Bible where these things take place so that this definition isn't just a willy-nilly throw it out there and, and you have it, but it's actually biblical. It, it's the biblical one. Now, in the in the Greek... The word kingdoms. Anybody remember what the what, just in the Greek, the simple word basalia, what that means? Reign. Just the reign of a king. That's all it means. But we're talking about the Bible here. And when God uses something, he always seems like he just he just magnifies it into what he's doing, especially something that is as important as the kingdom. There's no greater subject in the Bible than the kingdom. Yeah, so it has it has a complete biblical Bible definition all the way through. And so we've looked at some of that, and we're looking at this now. So if you've got that, now write it down on your paper. Okay? You don't have it. What are we writing down? The people willingly surrendered to the reign of God and actively participate in an intimate partnership with Him. Okay? That's the kingdom definition. Now, What's, that, what's nice about that is finally having a definition that we can work with. That always frustrated me because I bring it along and it says, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God. And that's, that was good. What does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? So having some substance to it gives us something to once again hang the hat on, hang your hat on been abusing Mike all day about that. I keep, he keeps showing up just when I need that sentence. <laughs> Poor guy. But, but we have to have something so it has a meaning. What am I seeking after? So what are you seeking after? After? To be a person willingly surrendered to the reign of God. And be a person who's actively actively inv- involved in what? An intimate partnership partnership with God. See, now you know what you're seeking after. Now. now I know what it is. And when he says that that is first in your life, foremost, the most important thing, well, now you know. 
So now you got something you can do. You can work with and do that. So that's why we're dissecting this, taking it all apart. So that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at this part of it today, this part. And what we're trying to do is get this, that definition in here. But now, we got more than just that. We got a second question. Second question is, well, I got to read it. What was lost because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve? Who wants to answer that? What was lost because of the rebellion of Adam and Eve? And that is based on scripture that we looked at and examined quite a bit. Okay, I like that. I like that. I like that. That's, that's a good one. Put that in there. You can put that in there. What was the verse we were looking at that set that all up for us? Because it was back. Which one? No, we haven't gone there yet. Good, good call. Good call. We will be getting there one of these days. Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. Do you remember? Matthew twenty-five thirty-four. You see, here we go. We got some freeways on your neuron cells. Right out of here. Oh, it ain't up there yet. Okay, exactly. So out of that verse, we learned that it was the kingdom was established. God prepared it back when he was starting the kingdom, starting the whole world. When he was putting together the world, he prepared everything to take us to the kingdom, showing that the kingdom was ultimate purpose and goal of everything he's doing. That's where it's going. That was there at the beginning before he started anything else. That was set up and that was there. So obviously an extremely important thing. So now... What was lost? Yeah. Ah, good. Good. Hey, we're thinking. I like it. I like it. So what was lost? The intimate well, the fall. Yeah, the kingdom. That's what was lost. They no longer could, even surrendering to God would not give them the intimate partnership with him. They couldn't. That was gone. Because of the fall, that was not the same human beings. And God could not have that intimate partnership. So that's what's gone. Go ahead and put that in your paper. And if you want a verse to kind of help that out, that's Matthew 25, 34, okay? Because we're trying to build these things in your neuron cells. We want some freeways of kingdoms, truth, all right? We're going to build a whole freeway. And even have, like, here, go downtown L.A. and all those up and downs and overs and sideways. And that's what we want. We have some cross-sections in there, everything connected in there, okay? Third question. Why was Jesus crucified? There you go. To restore that intimate partnership. That's what his life was all about. In fact, how many of you remember Luke 4.43? Anybody remember that one? Where Jesus says why he was sent? Why was he sent? To preach everywhere from city to city all about the kingdom. That's why he said I was sent to do that. Because he wants everybody to understand why is he here. That's what we're lost. He's tell, and everything he's going to tell everybody is that's what he's doing. We're restoring that relationship. That's why he was here. Restore the kingdom. And that's what Israel had so, so many problems with. Because Israel only saw the kingdom as a thousand year reign looming off in the distance, waiting for the Messiah to come and seize back control, set that thousand year reign up and establish them ruling over it. That's what they wanted. And that's why when Jesus met with Nicodemus, he goes, you know, Nicodemus was waiting for the kingdom of God, but he had no idea what he was waiting for. He thought it was that, and he goes, you're not even going to see the kingdom until what would happen first? 
be born again. Born again, that's right. You can't get to go in there. You ain't going to my kingdom. You're going to mess up my kingdom if you're not born again. You see how that relates together then? Fourth question. What do we got here? What was the purpose I didn't memorize death? my own questions. I see. What is the purpose of his death, burial, and resurrection? What was the purpose of the death, burial, and resurrection? Oh, now, up at the top of the page it says you cannot use the word kingdom to answer these. What? That's right. Because you got to give me either the definition or what it is. So now, what was the purpose? How did I, how did I say that? The purpose of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. What was it? Can't use the word kingdom. To preach. What's the difference between... Question three and question four. That's another good question. Should I slide that one in there? What's the difference between those two? No. That's actually different. It's different because it's very, very particular. Very specific. What's that? There you go. You see, what stood between God being able to have that relationship and him not? And you're going to see how important that is today with what we're going to be dealing with. What does it mean to atone, Tammy? <laughs> you want to, what does that mean to atone? Well, when I think about as far as the price, but well, if you think about the lamb, you know, the sacrifice for the, the covering of our sin, the forgiveness, and then Jesus did that for us at Calvary. Okay, he's atoning for the sin. Um, you see, atonement throughout the Old Testament is a word. Atonement means, when you look it up, it's got several meanings. That's, that's exactly right. But one of its big meanings is, a, is one of the most important words in the Bible. By me just saying that, who can tell me what that word is? Propitiation. Look at this. Cow, they're good people. I love it. Propitiation. Now, that's actually a definition in the Old Testament in Hebrew of what the word atonement means. Here's the biggie. Another one of these words that just they're just flying out there all over the place. And what in the world do they mean? The propitiation, probably one of the greatest and most important words to understand. Who wants to tempt that one? Hannah, take it. Did you catch that? The means God uses to lavish grace and mercy on us without violating his own judicial righteousness. You see, that was the problem. And you're going to see how important and why that is so necessary in what we're going to look at today in the kingdom. You know, the kingdom was his plan all along, but you can't go there. You would not be able to go there. That's what Nicodemus could not understand. That had to be taken care of. God couldn't just lavish everyone with grace and mercy. Otherwise, just, just do so and just throw it all at them. He would violate his own judicial righteousness. So propitiation, atonement, is what Christ did on the cross to open the doorway. And here's an interesting statement. I always like to use this. It freed the hand of God. Freed the hand of God. Luke 12, 32. Um, I'm not sure I've even said it yet. Anybody know what that is? What a great verse. Jesus is talking, and he says, It gives my Father great pleasure to give us the kingdom. To give us the kingdom. It gives him great pleasure because, see, the atonement allowed him to do that. He could then finally do 
what his plan was all along, that would open the door. That's what the cross is all about, is to open that door. We have a tendency just to only think of it as being saved from hell. That's kind of how we look at it. And if we're saved from hell, then I'm okay. And then typically that leaves me free to go do whatever I want. <laughs> kind of leaves us in that kind of kind of mode, but no, 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 no. It's the kingdom. That relationship with God is why the cross was necessary and why the, what the cross was going to accomplish was to so that God, his Father, could graciously just love, just generously give us that kingdom, to give us that, because that's what he wanted to do all along. Right from the beginning before, there was one single person, Adam and Eve, two people on this planet. That was his plan. And so the cross was already part of that plan because he knew that. Well, we got another one here? What is God's greatest purpose for everyone living on earth? And I think I have that in, what's the last one? Oh, yeah. Greatest purpose for everyone living on earth. And I need that two ways. Two ways. And do not use the word kingdom. To surrender to his reign. To what? Surrender to his reign. Surrender to his reign and? Help others do the same. There you go. Surrender to his reign and actively participate Uh, in an intimate partnership. And the second part of that is to help others do the same thing. That's pretty simple. That's what God has called us to do. We often just, we, we have a tendency to just think of evangelism. Now, one of the great evangelists you'll ever want to meet is sitting right over there in a the chair. <laughs> Stephanie. She's an amazing evangelist. Evangelism, evangelist is a gift. When Christ comes on the scene and he's going to sit down and he says, I'm telling everybody about the kingdom. I'm here to tell everybody about the kingdom. And then he walks over and got a nice little hill. So, you know, he's going to sit up there somewhere up here and got a crowd of people down here and he's going to talk to them all. And we call that the what when he did that in Matthew 5. Sermon on the Mount. Now, what did Luke 4.43 say he was doing everywhere he went? Telling everybody about the kingdom. (laughs) First sentence of that message is what? Blessed are the poor in spirit for what? They get the kingdom. (laughs) He starts right out with it. Because that's what's on his mind. That's what his heart. That's what he's telling everybody about. But as you go through those attitudes, you come to this one. This, this is this is Jesus preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So he's preaching it, telling all these different things. And he gets to this one back here that is so beautiful. Because this is not a gift of evangelism. This is something everybody's called to. It's part of the gospel message. A peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Guess what they get? Called sons of God. Wow, that's right in his gospel message. But a peacemaker, all a peacemaker is, it's just simply sharing and telling someone about the harmony, the relationship that you have with God. Bringing somebody in harmony with that relationship. Surrendered and intimate partnership. That's a peacemaker. You're bringing someone in harmony because that's what's happened to you. You're in harmony. That's what it's all about. You're in harmony. You help somebody else get in harmony. Everybody's called to that. Last question. What is the greatest stumbling block that keeps humans from living this purpose? Myself. Be more specific. (laughs) My flesh. Be more specific. 
Mike, it's great. From living that purpose that of us being it, because it goes both ways. It isn't just sharing it, it's being it. Right. It's being it. What is the greatest return? Let's go a little more specific. Not surrendering. Ooh, look at there. Did you hear that one? No. See this guy right here? Desire to Our wickedly insane heart. That's what God in Jeremiah 17, 9. Called. I was going to say, where do you, where, where where that? you get that? Where do I get that? That's in, in Jeremiah 17, 9. That's what God calls our heart. Wickedly insane. Who are you? Who are you? It's, it's right here in this part of your brain where everything is stored where all the things that are important to you, all your memories, good or bad, everything about you is stored there. It's stored in what is called, in neuroscience technology, they call it default mode network. God calls it your heart. That's your heart. And that's who you are. And that's what he says is wickedly insane. The greatest deterrent we have, whether you to become, to willingly surrender and have that relationship, or once you have that, to share it with other people is that guy right there. It's who we are. It's who we are. Because now what we heard earlier was our flesh. What about our flesh? It's wickedly insane. It's wickedly insane. Yes, it is. And what about the flesh? What does it say about the flesh? They're just on top of the little thing there. The what? That's what the flesh does. The flesh is totally against what God wants to do with you. And that's your flesh. Is this part, this part here, that is everything against God. That's everything against God. Your actions all flow out of this part of you, of your brain. That's what stimulates all your actions. It comes right out of there. That's just neuroscience, what they talk about. It's called the task positive network. But God calls it your strength. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of us. This is who we are. All this comes together. How we think, how we feel, how we act, but what's all going on in our heart inside of us. And so that's what is our biggest deterrent. So that's why trying to get these guys lined up to, to make a nice freeway, that's a, a one singular neuron. You've got 400 billion of those in your brain, so we, you know, we just got one here. You've got 400 billion of those guys. We want to get... A number of these build into a freeway to start processing and taking all the stuff that we're talking about. Well, let's go look at what we're, what we're talking about here. Okay? If you hang on to those papers, that will give you a summarization of what we've been talking about. Okay? Hey, if you could turn to Matthew 24 for a minute. Matthew 24. Now we got that definition down. We got that definition down? Anybody try it again? Hey, people. Only surrender to the Wow, that sounded better. Wow, that sounded better. Let's read Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom 
shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony of all the nations, and then the end will come. If you could answer those five, six questions, whatever they were, and you get you got somewhat of an idea, you have just opened the doorway to understand what in the world that means. You just started it. You're not there yet. <laughs> There's a lot of we want to put into that, and that's what we're doing. We're going to do a little more of that today. But let's do this. The gospel of the people who are willingly surrendered to the reign of God and actively participate in intimate partnership with God shall be preached in the whole world. See, that's the message God wants us to hear. That's what he wants us to take to the world. That message is so wrapped up in Christ. It's so wrapped up in Christ. You can't have the kingdom without Christ. Well, we don't want to preach a gospel without, without the kingdom in it because that's where he's going to. That's what it's all about. Merging those together, and that's what you see Paul did. That's what you see Philip did. That's what you see the apostles did. It's just what they did. The New Testament church did. But that kingdom is so important to God. It's all about this. Who knows what the definition of the of eternal life is? To know the Father. The Father. And what, and where's it found? John seventeen three. John seventeen three. To know Him, and you know what that word "know" is in the. Greek language, it's the Jewish axiom for a marital relationship. Go to the Old Testament, it's the same thing. The word no is the same thing in the, old, in the Hebrew for the same thing. Where do I get that? Where do I get that definition? Yeah. Oh, see, in the, when I open it up and start looking at Greek literature, Greek writings on the definition, and when they, what you do is you go through a lexicon, which takes all the verses in the Bible and puts them together and shows, then you got this, the definition in the Greek, and the last kind of show in the Bible, bringing it together of what it says. And that is t- brings out then the Jewish axiom that that is what, how they looked at it when it said that, that that's what it means. I just mean the, now, where did you get specifically no? Like where? That word no? John 17, 3? You mean that verse? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Okay, John 17, 3 is what Jesus is defining what eternal life is. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Elizabeth, try it out. Or no, somebody else want to try it or you want to do it again? There you go. See that? And, and what we want to do here is have those verses in our fault mode network, in our heart. Because, see, it's that of who is who I am. My decisions rule. We talk about free will. Free will is not... The ability to make a free choice. That's not what free will is biblically. Well, that's how we think of it. But what we understand and see is what what affects your choices is all built right in here. So you get in the front part of your brain and you got something come up and you start to think, I'm really a smart intellectual. I'm going to process and make a decision. And I'm going to do that thing. Look at that. I just made that brilliant decision. And right here, Probably 90% of the information that you made a decision with comes shooting out of here into your prefrontal cortex. And, and then that's what you drew from to make a decision from. You see, it's not, you're not that smart. God puts into us a whole lot of information that we then goes in to make that decision. What free will is all about, you have the freedom to put in here what you want. And that's going to determine who you are. You have the freedom, the free will to choose what you put in your brain. 
Because that's what's going to determine who you are. Now let's move on here. Let's go along here. We've got another verse that I want you to look at. Because that's, that's kind of an important verse, isn't it? That that's what God wants us to take in, around to the world. Now let's jump over to another one. Where am I going? Let's go to Matthew 13. <laughs> I was hoping someone's going to answer that, but nobody, nobody jumped on that one. Matthew 13. Matthew chapter 13, the whole thing is Jesus talking about the kingdom. And there's a phrase he uses all the time. He uses it throughout the New Testament all the time. The kingdom is like this. The kingdom is like this. Because he's always teaching about it. He's always trying to tell us. He's trying to help us out. This is what the kingdom's like. Okay, Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found hit again, and from joy over it, goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Let's move along another verse right below it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls, and upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So now, what is worth selling everything you have to get? And don't tell me the kingdom. Don't use it. What is worth selling everything you have to get this? What is it? What? To know that king. To know that king. To have that intimate partnership with him. That's what's worth selling everything for. That puts that definition of the kingdom in quite a important thing to have tucked away in our little what's, what's Perot say into our little gray cells get them in our little gray cells because that is the most important thing God just said that people is more important than anything what happened, what happened if you did what he said sold everything you had what would happen that's the real facts of the thing let's just go there have you'd have nothing and then yet you would have everything. You see, that's what Jesus is saying. Sell it all. You'd have nothing but go get that kingdom. Because that's the greater truth. That relationship. That's what he says. Do anything else you want in life. But if you miss that, he just said, you missed everything. You missed it all. It's so important. Now, this relationship that we're developing. Let's jump over here to Ephesians chapter 4. So what we're trying to do is, and we, and we keep building it as we go, but Ephesians chapter 4, I want you to see this definition starting to pop out at you. Now hold your hand in 4 and go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Hold those two together here, okay? Ephesians chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 1. Someone would you please read to me who Paul is writing this to and read Ephesians 1. Who's he writing to? And read... What's that? And who's he writing to? Read to the church at Ephesus. So who's the book of Ephesians two? The church at Ephesus. That's an important thing when we go to this next verse. The saints at Ephesus. Wow, even better. The saints at Ephesus. Okay, Ephesians four. Look at verse seventeen. 
So Paul says this, I say, and affirm together with the Lord, Paul's just kind of really fun here. He's having enjoyment. He says, I'm in agreement with God on this one. He's not saying God's in agreement with him. He's going, I, I, me and God are agreeing on this one. I'm, I'm right with God on this one. Like, you know why he says that? Because he understood it, saw it, lived it, been there, done that. And so he could say, wow, I, I understand this one totally. So he says, so this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Who's he writing this to again? So he's telling the saints, don't walk like Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Who's the Gentile? You are? Caleb's a Gentile. Derek, he read. A Gentile birthed a Gentile. <laughs> Who's a Gentile? What's a Gentile? Everyone is not a Jew, but in this context here, what is it? It's not a what? Not a saint, exactly. Those not saints, those not in the church, because it used to be solely there were Jews and Gentiles. Well, when the Jews rejected Christ, there were Gentiles and Christians. It changed the church, the saints, and it changed. So now, so he says here, let's keep going. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God. Hold on a minute. Who did he write this to? The saints. How can a saint be excluded from the life of God? Not walking with him in that intimate partnership. That's a toughie by not walking with him. That's a toughie. That's a toughie. Woo! We were talking doctrinal issues earlier. <laughs> that could really stir up a doctrinal mess, spider web, if you didn't do your homework. And look at what that word means. What's that word mean right there that says excluded from the life of God? What's that word mean? A non participant. Ooh, you're good. It's my granddaughter. It's my granddaughter. Just want to let you know that. A non-participant. That's what is excluded. That's the person, the non-participant in the life of God. Can a saint do that? He warns them about doing it. That should, let me say it this way, scare the living hell out of us. That should scare us to death that statement. Can I really not participate? Obviously I can. That's why he's warning them. Ephesians. Saints. Saints. Oh, don't be like the Gentiles and not participate in that intimate partnership. That life of God. You see, wickedly insane heart, that will take over and do that. And he even tells us. What he does here though, he says, in the futility of your mind. These are ones who, in the futility of their mind. For those who have had my glass, I can answer that. Then what's the futility of your mind mean? Anybody remember that? Futility of your mind. How are we doing on that one? It's in there. I know because I've heard you say it so many times. It's in there. Oh, man, she's not even my grandchild. Right there. <laughs> we didn't hear it. Thinking about things 
that have no value in that relationship, that life of God, that are not helping you. Thinking of things, that's the whole concept of futility of your mind. How do you not participate? Just start thinking about things that have no value, no importance. They're not going to help anything in developing that partnership with God. And guess what? That partnership with God is just going to go south in a hurry. Does that mean God forsakes you and no, you know, he's gone? No, no, no. You're going to see how we deal with what he does. But in order to have that, let me explain that. Joanne, would you come up here for a minute? Let me let me explain this. I need I need some help. Oh dear. He didn't tell me about this. Who, who is this? Your wife. My wife. A fifty years. That's not saying it right. A fifty years. Yes, it is. <laughs> this is the one I have an intimate partnership with. Yeah. I know his secrets. We go everywhere, we do everything together, we share everything, we're involved in life together, we have a common goal we have together, we share it, we pray about it, we talk about it, we do those things together, we share these things over and over, we're involved in that, an intimate partnership. Now, has there ever been a time, I won't put the pressure on you, has there ever been a time when maybe your husband wasn't participating that way in our intimate relationship? Yesterday? <laughs> 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 go sit down. Go sit down. Go sit down. Last month? <laughs> oh, she's too brutally honest. But that is the truth. That is the truth. We can do that so often, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And how we do that is we start thinking about things that don't have any value towards that relationship. Get myself all worked up and doing all kinds of stuff, and guess what suffers from it? My relationship with my wife, it's not as close. It's, I don't have the partnership. We're not doing the same things we used to do. And you keep doing that long enough, and it keeps getting worse. That's, and that's what God says. We can do that so easy with him. Does he leave us? As we said, I never leave you or forsake you. But that partnership, oh man, we can hurt that, okay? And he tells us why. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of your heart. Hardness of your heart is dealing with this right here. Here's your heart, and your heart doesn't want you to do it. That's the hard heart. You're not going to do what God said. I'm not going to actively participate in that intimate partnership. And we married couples will do that. <laughs> Good job, Mary. And that's so easy to do. You see, when God gave us this new life and life more abundantly in John 10, 10, this is a life that should completely encompass all that we are at all times. The word walk in this passage, that word walk, let's see if I can demonstrate it for you. How am I going to demonstrate it for you? How am I going to demonstrate it for you? Walk. Walk. Oh, I'm doing it. All right. Took me a bit. I don't see you walking very often. I know. I'm usually sprinting around here as fast as I can, but okay. That's all the word means. It, it Basically, in, in one sense, it means you're walking everywhere you go in life. But it has one more little aspect to it. Walking everywhere you go, but what's the other aspect? Taking of the 
the opportunities. Yeah, making do. You're walking around, but you're making due use of those opportunities. And in this, that God is going to give you. I'm doing it right now. That's where I'm going next. Thank you. Nice lead in. Nice lead in. You took Caleb's place. He usually does those for me, but okay. First Corinthians two. This is uh, this is what we want to talk about. How many of you know what the first line of Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities is. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Yeah. You know what? Dickens' new life. There are times when life's good, and there are times when life's difficult. He understood that. But what the kingdom is all about is whether you're in a good time or a lousy time, the kingdom brings us into a partnership with God that sustains both of those the way it should do, and that's what we're going to look at right here, okay? 1 Corinthians 2, God's design of how the kingdom works is so astonishing. It's his greatest miracle he ever performed. And i got to bring back an old partner of mine that we've been using for a couple of weeks. I still have it, baby. It's right here. This is good stuff. You had the pleasure of mix, missing me mix this. Joanne made a cake. Really good cake. Delicious cake. Had it sitting out here. Really good cake. We had all the ingredients here. What goes in that cake? Had them all there and we said, okay, the cake is like the brain. Put together right ingredients and man, is it good. That's the way God designed it. It is good. But then I started mixing a few other things into it. One of every got one that got the most reaction. I don't know why. I don't know why this stirred up such a major problem. I went around and correct a little bit, a little bit, collected a little bit of dog crap. Mixed it all up in here, nice. If you get over here and smell it, you can tell what's in it. <laughs> it's in there. And what? What's that? Oh. <laughs> at you <laughs> so so anyway the point was you see we had this beautiful brain god gave us and what kind of what what would you call crap that we put in it we come up with a lot of different ideas what are some ideas you could say that that's just crap tv tv okay beautiful what's another one social media what's another one who who Bones TV. Oh, I got it. I was a little slow. Okay. Nobody said porn. See, we pump all this crap into our brain and it get mixed right in here with it. That really kind of creates a little mess here, doesn't it? Then we put in other ingredients, other stuff that just wasn't good. They just threw them in there because they fit. We just put them in. We got so much stuff like that in our brain. Stuff that may not be horrible. In fact, we even mixed in things like salt. Salt, eh, you put salt in everything you cook. But then I dumped, you know, like half a bottle in it. <laughs> Went way overboard. And, you know, we can do a whole lot of that too. We can take a whole lot of stuff that's good and fill our brains all with it. But guess what it's not doing? We're not filling our brains with things that are going to help us develop that partnership with God. You see... Then 
what happens is we get in this situation where then it's the futility of, my, of our minds can take over and we're no longer participating, actively participating in that life of God, in that relationship. That's why it's so important that we be careful. Just for you, I'm going to move it over here. Be careful what we put in it. It is so, so important. But look at 1 Corinthians 2. I'll pull this back out in a minute. 1 Corinthians 2. Jump down here to verse 12. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So that. So that. What's that so that in the Bible all about? What is it? Pay attention. Because what I'm, what I'm going to say is connected to that. So that. You're, you're doing this so that this can take place. Okay? It's connected to it. This then allows that to happen. Okay? Let's look at it again. 12. Now we received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So tell me, why did God give us the spirit? That we may understand the things. What did he just say? Pretty simple, isn't it? We go through all kinds of things to have people teach us. <laughs> like I'm doing right now. But you, God has given you a spirit so you can read his word, get it inside of you, and he's going to teach you, and he's going to, we're going to look right now of how he does that. This is what's so beautiful. Look at Know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom. So let's kick out our human brain in this thing. It's not the wisdom we have. Why wouldn't the wisdom we have be able to help us in understanding God? Ah, there we go. We're wickedly insane. There's a great gap, great difference between what we can comprehend and what the truth is about God. I mean, it's just different. Throw a little bit of uh, dog crapple in this mixture in our brains. Whew, it makes it even harder. Keep reading. Which things we also speak, not words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Now, I don't know if your Bible does this. Does it show the word, the, the, the word, words? <laughs> does it show thoughts and words? Is it italicized? I don't know. Does it in your Bible? Is it, does it look different? You got a footnote on it. See what it is? That's not in the original. It's added in to try to help us understand what in the world he's saying. And, and most times that's, that's very valuable. can really help us. Sometimes it's a, it's a detriment if we don't dig in and get and understand it. If we dig, do the homework and learn it and get it, then it can really be helpful. But he's combining. Let's take that out of the way for a moment. Take those out of the way so we can grasp what he's saying here. He's combining spiritual with spiritual. Word combining. How many woodworkers we have here? We got a great one right there sitting. Paul is just a tremendous woodworker. What's a dovetail, Paul? Uh, it's a way of 
How is it different than of me gluing two pieces together? Interlocks. That's a good word. I like that. That's why I called on you. Good word. Interlocks. You've seen dovetails? You know what they are? In wood, they, they, they interlock together. They're stronger, so much more involved than they get in each other. That This word is that concept. It's not joining. It's jointing is in the definition. Jointing. We're jointing two things together. But here's the thing that's really interesting. We're jointing two things that really don't belong together. Jointing two things that really don't belong together. And what is the main part of what we're talking about here? We got what? That he started this all off with. We got the what? The the spirit. The spirit from God. That's spiritual. The, the word spiritual could be could be humans, could be God. You go either way, depending on the context, what you're talking about. And right here, it puts them both together and two things that don't belong together. So what do you think we're talking about here? Got to bring it back. Where's the kingdom ruling from today? In our hearts is what he says. Right here in this wickedly insane heart. Right in here with all this crap, with all this extra stuff, with all this junk, with all these things of fears and struggles and questions and problems and difficulties that just drive us nuts and become what we are and how we think and what goes on. And guess where the kingdom, God planted that, his throne, to dwell from. Right here in this. Now do you understand the beauty of the crucifixion of Christ? How could you put those two so opposed that don't belong together things? You can't. They don't belong together. How can God do that? It's because of the cross. It's what he did on the cross. The sacrifice freed God's hand to come and dwell right here in all this. He's free to do that and he chose willingly to do that. To put himself here because there is no condemnation. He's paid for everything that's in there. It's wrong. Every sin, every memory, everything that's ever been done that's wrong. He paid for it. Took care of it. It's gone. It's done. It's over. That is why the crucifixion is so important to human life and so important to the kingdom because where he wants to rule is right there right here in his wickedly insane heart that's crazy that's absolutely crazy but that's what God chose to do remember when did he prepare this the foundation of the world before that is when he set that motion to go do that oh Wow. And it gives the Father great joy to give us the kingdom. Because see, right here, he can rule. So well that Jesus even said, it's better I leave. It's better for you that I leave. That's better for you that I'm standing here with you because I'm going to now set up my throne 
Right here. It's right in here. It's where God's dwelling, living. He's ruling. But here's another really fascinating thing about this rule. If I was a king, and I bet you most of you would do the same thing. If I was a king, and I had some subjects, they were good, really liked them and everything else, and then they just went and took a nosedive, fell apart, decided to rebel against me, go do their own thing, leave me alone. How do most kings respond to that? Start creating lots of problems for me and everything else. Yes, I like that. I like that. He's got it right. <laughs> That's how most kings would respond. How does this king, our king, respond to us? How does he respond to us? Mercifully. Mercifully. Tell me, tell me. Come on. Give me a verse. Where's that neuroscience? Come on. Where's that, where's that pathway right there? Where is it? Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And he sits there, and he sits there, and he sits there, and he waits. The king is the king of patience, the king of mercy, the king of kindness, the king of grace. And so he can sit there and sit there and wait for us. But how does he want to rule with us? How, what is the purpose of this? How does he want to rule? We are in a partnership right there in our brain, in a partnership with the king of the universe, the king that said, nothing out there, total void, nothing, and says, what's it be like? We have light. That's the same king who's living right there inside of us, jointed together with, what is he jointed together with? And it's the spiritual with the spiritual. He's jointed together. A bond that doesn't let go. A bond that is strong. It'll, it'll work through anything and everything. It's that bond. It's that tight. It's that strong. It's that tight. It'll work through everything. But that's the partnership God wants. So, when? When this particular day you've gotten up, you're going to go do something, and all of a sudden something happens in your life. Something that really gets you. Something that really grabs hold of you. Something that really messes up your life. Something you got to deal with and you got to respond to and you just hate every moment of it and it's really got you down and it's really messing you up and you're wrestling with it and what else? Just cannot get away from it. We have a partnership. The king of the universe. The king of the universe. How do you think he can handle that stuff? Probably not a big problem for him, is it? <laughs> not a big problem at all. And he wants that. You want to come up here again, Joanne? I promise not to say anything about yesterday. <laughs> so, so, I have a really bad problem. Something, something's really struggling with and everything else. And I come to my wife. And I go, Joanne, 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 I am having a rough, rough, rough time with this thing. What's she going to do? She can say, well, get over it. Well, how do you think she would, as my wife of 50 years, how do you think she would respond to it? Get over it. No, no. <laughs> no, you see, 
there's a unity, there's a bonding, there's a partnership here. It says, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's work together towards it. You see, and as good as my wife is, as great as my wife is, she's still not the king of the kingdom. She's still not that. And the king of the kingdom is so close and so tight and so integrated into my soul, into my spirit, into my brain, into everything about me. And what he wants, he says, I'm going to give you another helper, the Paracletos. Jesus said, which means another just exactly like himself and this Paracletos, this helper. And that helper means one called alongside you to help you. To help you and work through things. Let's close it off with that. Let's leave it there. We got more to go, but um, we'll continue on. But you see this intimate partnership that God wants to have with us? This is how he wants us to deal with the world. It may have been the best of times, the, the worst of times, but it doesn't matter when you have the king of the kingdom. It gives himself inside of us so that there is nobody who has to deal with stuff alone anymore. It's in partnership with God. Okay? Let's pray. Father, you are absolutely amazing. Amazing isn't even a good word. You're beyond that. When I think of all that's been in my brain throughout my lifetime and when I first came to you, I had plenty of crapple in it then. And you willingly came and jointed yourself with my spirit to live and work and partner with me for my life. All only because of the willing sacrifice who surrendered willingly to his father, your son, Christ, who went to the cross and freed the entire Godhead to dwell inside of us and rule from there. That is so beyond our capabilities to understand and know, but yet that's what you've done for us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Amen.